it's a good time for them to practice and prepare, you know, should there be a tsunami warning. An all clear after a giant Pacific Ocean eruption triggers a tsunami advisory in Tofino. Plus. It was kind of shocking to, to see all the police cars around. Shoppers shocked after another strip mall shooting in the Lower Mainland. And. Right now, I got, we got a few uh, people that are not vaccinated. How trucking tie-ups could affect our supply chain as vaccine rules for drivers are now in effect. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Parts of BC, along with several western states, are under a rare tsunami advisory for most of the day, not because of an earthquake. Instead, it was a massive eruption all the way in the southern hemisphere that literally made waves here on the west coast. As Julia Foy reports, it's yet another reminder for everyone to be prepared for the big one. A family from the west coast of Vancouver Island recorded something that may have come from a South Pacific tsunami. It was actually quite exciting. I love storm watching and stuff, so seeing big waves like that is pretty cool. This satellite image shows a massive explosion under the sea near the Tonga Islands. The videos last night, uh, I guess it was late, late uh, yesterday evening, showing the satellite image of the eruption, the shockwave that was going out. It was clear that it was a very, uh, you know, it was a huge, huge eruption. Cassidy says the tsunami wasn't started from an earthquake, but from an underwater volcano. The eruption beneath the ocean that, uh, that really started the water moving in this case. A tsunami advisory was issued for the west coast of Vancouver Island and up to Haida Gwaii. We are stressing to visitors and residents alike to, to follow the uh, official advisories, stay off the beaches, stay out of the water until the all clear is received and the beaches are open again. But the advisory also included beaches near Victoria and up to the Saanich Peninsula, and visitors were surprised. Well, I have to admit, I don't know a lot about the tsunami, yeah. but I'm hoping it's small and far away. I'm not worried. No. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, it happens, it happens. Yeah and we'll all be in trouble. Earthquake and tsunami experts warn this kind of event should be taken seriously. Uh, stay off the water. It's not a day to go surfing. It's not a day to go uh, kayaking. Uh, it's not a day to walk along the beach. The bottom line is that this is an event that happened hundreds of kilometers away and was able to cross the entire ocean basin to get to us. And so we do need to be concerned. Tsunami advisories were lifted by mid-afternoon Saturday. Officials want the public to remember they won't be the last. Really a matter of communities understanding that risk and then preparing um, evacuation strategies and um, emergency risk management strategies to deal with that um, if and when that happens. Something Rachel Young knows all too well. Sometimes I actually have nightmares of situations like this happening and not being able to leave in time. Julia Foy, Global News. Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth says two Pacific Emergency Notification System alerts were issued to emergency managers and media about the tsunami advisory. But in Haida Gwaii, the incident may have uncovered some bugs in the local alert system. The co-fire chief of Masset says after learning about the advisory, his team sent out a pair of alerts meant to arrive by text, email and phone. I got three out of the sort of six 
messages I should have gotten on the various forms if we actually had chosen to evacuate, if not everybody's receiving that message. Um, like that's the whole point. Like, you know, we're a coastal community. If we do feel a risk is so great that we must evacuate, we want everybody that's signed up to get that message. Now, Doggart said the community does have audio sirens that activate in the case of a tsunami, but not everybody can hear them. Village officials will begin investigating what went wrong on Monday. And can you spot what's wrong with this image? Focus on the lower third part of this photo, which was posted by the National Weather Service Seattle office with the caption, don't be these people with a big arrow. Washington State Governor Jay Inslee adding, just don't do this, people. Some communities were seeing people ignoring the advisory and deliberately going to the shore to watch the waves crash onto it. RCMP say a woman who disappeared from Williams Lake last month met with foul play and a Quinell man has been charged in her homicide. Carmelita Abraham was reported missing to Quinell and Williams Lake RCMP on January 4th. Police say the 33-year-old Indigenous woman was last seen when she got a ride from Williams Lake to Quinell on either December 27th or 28th. On January 7th, RCMP requested the public's help to find Abraham, and three days later, the North District Major Crime Unit took conduct of the case. On Thursday, 51-year-old Joseph Simpson was arrested. He has since been charged with murder and indignity to human remains. Abraham was allegedly murdered in Quinell on December 28th. RCMP say she and Simpson were known to each other. He will appear in Williams Lake Court on Monday. For the second time in a week, a suburban strip mall parking lot was the scene of a brazen shooting. Last week, a young man was killed in Langley, and last night, officers converged on a bustling Coquitlam shopping complex after shots rang out. Amadagahi has the latest. Calls of shots fired came in on a Friday night to police outside a busy John B. neighborhood pub. At the time, around 9.30, it was one of the few businesses inside a Coquitlam shopping complex on Austin Avenue that was open. Just all of a sudden, you could just see all the flashing lights out in the parking lot. and uh... 30 to 40 kids just walking in so fast because they are trying to, I don't know, I think they're just scared because yeah. it just happened right here. And uh, until like we figured out there was actually shots happening. Witnesses say many from outside joined the people already seated inside the pub to take refuge. They say then liquor purchases were stopped and everyone was put into lockdown. Maybe an hour and a half waiting. Just kind of a lockdown because we were all trying to stay safe. Nobody could get out and then you had to uh, line up to get out and then show your ID to get out sort of thing. So it was yeah, kind of crazy. It's not clear exactly where in the parking lot the shooting happened, but police say a man was found seriously injured with gunshot wounds. He was in his 20s and rushed to hospital in serious condition. This comes only one week after 18-year-old Julian Moya Cardenas was targeted, shot and killed at a similar style strip mall in Langley in an incident that also injured an innocent bystander. It's not known if the two shootings are related. Coquitlam RCMP says initial indications are the incident outside of John B. Pub was a targeted shooting and the victim being known to police. It's very surprising, right? Because yeah. we don't we don't have those kind of stuff happening in this neighborhood. Yeah. So it was it was kind of shocking to to see all the police cars around, and then uh, yeah, it was 
It was very scary. Investigators now asking for witnesses while adding the suspect or suspects are still outstanding. Imadagahi, Global News. A vaccine mandate for truck drivers crossing the U.S.-Canada border came into effect today. After some confusion this week, the federal government says unvaccinated American truckers cannot enter the country, while unvaccinated Canadian truckers must test and quarantine. In the end, experts say it will mean yet another hit to our overstressed supply chain and our wallets. Paul Johnson reports. At the Pacific border crossing in South Surrey, the drivers you see here now are either fully vaccinated or headed for quarantine. Right now, I got, we got a few uh, people that are not vaccinated, so they're not going to be able to come. I, I'm getting extra money for coming over. So. But it might be a problem. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, though. Interesting indeed. For many Canadians and for our public health officials, this was a sensible and necessary step. Others have a different view. What is the harm that we're preventing and what's the harm that we're causing? BC Truckers Association President Dave Earl expects the new rule will sideline between 800 and 1,000 drivers in the province. With community spread of Omicron already surging within Canada, he questions the benefit of extra barriers at the border, particularly for a country that imports most of its fresh produce in the middle of winter. We're going to start to see a squeeze, I would imagine, within 10 days to two weeks, if not a little sooner. Overall, the uh, grocery picture is, is not looking good. With Canadians already facing record inflation at the checkout counter, food distribution expert Sylvain Charlebois says the new rule will test our supply chain like nothing we've seen so far in the pandemic. We've always believed that as long as the border remains open, uh, we should be fine from a food security perspective. So let's hope that this mandate won't disrupt our, our supply chain too much. You'll recall that one of the drivers Saturday told us he's getting extra pay to drive across the border now. You can be certain those kinds of costs will be passed on to you. After Ottawa's double flip on the trucking rules this week, the industry is bracing for the possibility of interprovincial bans on unvaccinated drivers. If that comes to pass, they'd prefer to have the government communicate clearly how that is a net benefit to Canadians. Paul Johnson, Global News. B.C. truckers are planning a protest next weekend against what they say are dangerous highway conditions right across the province. They are basically the killer highways. Members of the West Coast Trucking Association gathered in Surrey today to plan their rally route to downtown Vancouver. The group was formed one year ago to promote the safety of truckers and other road users. The professional drivers say their lives are repeatedly being put at risk by icy highways and they want to see better road maintenance and salting. All these guys are on a breaking point. We have forced to decide should we keep on continued driving trucks or should we look for another jobs because nobody's cleaning those highways and yet everybody needs all the amenities, the goods, the groceries and all, all of the things which are needed on a day-to-day basis by the general public. We do not want to go on strike just for the reason that we do not want to disrupt the supplies. We have been forced to come to this point where we have to hold a rally to be heard. 
In the North Okanagan, police are investigating a suspicious fire that tore through a large house in Coldstream last night. Flames lit up the darkened neighborhood on Hawthorne Place. The home was completely destroyed and has left one tenant in the cold. RCMP say they evacuated neighboring homes as firefighters fought to get the blaze under control. It has been deemed suspicious and Mounties are asking for any witnesses to come forward. A husband and wife are in complete disbelief after valuable art was stolen from their Kelowna Art Gallery early this morning. Well, I think an art heist is super unusual. Like, I mean, you only hear about it in the movie. Surveillance footage shows two masked men busting into the gallery on Raymer Avenue and making off with 11 pieces of fine art worth just under $70,000. Owners Kelly Hanna and Ken Moen say the incident took place at about 2 o'clock this morning. They were in at 158 and had everything out of the gallery and door closed again by 202. So there were only four minutes. They uh, focused on taking the sculptures that were in the gallery. So they, they grabbed 11 sculptures. Most of them were bronze sculptures a couple of stone sculptures, and some blown glass. One of the thieves is described as being 5'10", wearing a grey hoodie and blue pants, and the other about 5'6", wearing a dark hoodie. If you have any information, you're asked to contact Kelowna RCMP. RCMP on Vancouver Island are asking for your help to identify a break-in suspect caught on camera at a McDonald's drive through West Shore RCMP say the alleged thief and suspect truck were captured on surveillance ordering at the fast food restaurant drive through near the crime scene in Langford. The suspect allegedly broke into the island crushing in the 2100 block of Millstream Road on January 6th. Police say a haul of equipment and tools was stolen from the industrial compound and that the suspects used a bobcat on site to damage a gate and load a wielding machine into a vehicle. After the break, con artists collecting cash from seniors. The warnings from police on a new twist to an old scam. Plus. I'm hungry sometime here. The allegations in a heartbreaking case of senior financial abuse amid an increase of similar reports. Vancouver police are investigating a troubling twist on a familiar scam that saw two seniors lose thousands of dollars this week. It's not uncommon for fraudsters to target the elderly by phone, mail or email. But as Kristen Robinson reports, this scheme takes things a step further. With a knock. Hi there, it's Chris from the courthouse. I'm uh, just picking up a package. And some dubious conversation. You got here in a hurry. Yeah. Oh, well, I, w- I'm, I was already scheduled. Like, oh, uh, yeah, know. yeah. This suspect delivers on an earlier phone call to a couple in their 70s. Their nephew had been in a car crash and needed eight grand to get out of jail. The seniors hand over the cash. I'm just a pickup and delivery guy. Police say it's a new and alarming twist on an old scam. And I always said it would never happen to me. I'm too smart for that. Last summer, a Prince George senior says she received a call from two people. One claiming to be her daughter-in-law, the other a local RCMP officer. The woman was very convincing. Mom, it's me. (laughs) 
I've been in an accident. I'm like a broken nose. That's why you can't understand me. She was in jail and needed cash to make bail. The man posing as a cop reassured the senior her family member had done nothing wrong. The victim e-transferred $3,000. They know how to get you. They just know how to get you. What's known as the grandparent scam, Pardon? now hitting doorsteps in Vancouver. They show up at the door, so it's very brazen. And it's very concerning on our end, and, and it does put people's safety at risk. The first incident reported to the VPD on January 12th. No, 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 I don't open it. The seniors took out the money and thought they were putting it in good hands. Chris, please bring this straight to the courtroom. Yep, I will. The same day, police say a 75-year-old Kitsilano woman got a similar call. Her grandson was in jail after a collision and needed $9,000 to get out. The suspect then came to this woman's home and she handed them the money. Thank you guys. Merry, happy New yeah. Year. Bye, Chris. Police are hoping someone will recognize the scoundrel seen scurrying off from the couple's home. It's unclear if he is a suspect in both cases. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A report published last month by the B.C. Office of the Seniors Advocate found that financial abuse reports had increased significantly among senior citizens. Monetary abuses or scams are among the most common and can be difficult to resolve. Delana Nishaw of CFJC News spoke with a senior living in Kamloops who says he had hundreds of thousands of dollars taken from him and wants to make sure others aren't put in the same position. Well, I don't know, but... If you like, I'm going to show to you something, maybe you never see. Christos Raptis once hoped to have family help take care of him in his old age. What he didn't expect was to be living alone in a motel in Kamloops at 86 years old with $200,000 gone. I am broke. I got no money. I'm hungry sometime here. In 2018, Raptus alleges his niece Sophia and her partner Jeff convinced him they could take care of him and to give them $200,000. That care didn't happen, and Raptus, who was living in Ontario at the time, filed a statement of claim. Take 200000 You didn't work. You didn't. You don't help me. She was living with a boyfriend in Prince Ontario. How she helped me? Raptus is part of an unfortunate increase in financial abuse of seniors. The Office of the Seniors Advocate says it's not certain whether the uptick is due to more reporting or more abuse. But the conditions that could lead to financial abuse of elders amplified during the pandemic. Seniors often have a dependent relationship that you wouldn't have in your younger years. And that person that you're dependent on is the person financially abusing you, right? A family member, a close friend, even somebody, a, a business that says I'll take care of everything for you because you uh, and relieve you of that burden. It depends on what type of financial abuse took place but the seniors advocate says people who have lost their money often won't get it back and the other reality is the information the office has on seniors abuse is based on what is reported. The 2019 decision out of Ontario ordered defendants Sophia Raptus Ferreira and Jeff Conkle to pay Christos the $200,000 along with $3,000 for the cost of an action. To date, the payment has not been made. I tell you, if you catch her, I'll be happy. Long rest, how long I'm going to live? Year to years? Sometimes I don't feel good myself. 
He's pushing for the financial harm done to him to be resolved and hopes other seniors don't wind up in the same situation. Delana Nisha, CFJC News. Coming up, reassurances about reconciliation. A Calgary Catholic bishop talks about his recent meeting with the Pope to discuss Indigenous trauma and healing. And later. Went over and there's this woman lying there with her head towards the aisle and her feet towards the window and a baby was coming out. A Toronto travel doctor talks about a successful baby delivery during a flight and why she says that's not even the best part. Indigenous and Vatican officials are still trying to reschedule an Indigenous delegation meeting with Pope Francis, which was postponed last month due to the rising spread of the Omicron variant. But a Calgary bishop did meet with the pontiff last month and returned home with a message regarding reconciliation. It was expected to be a chance to share personal stories about the legacy of residential schools with Pope Francis. A group of around 30 First Nations, Métis and Inuit delegates from across Canada were set to have private meetings with the Pope in mid-December. But that was called off because of safety concerns with the spread of the Omicron virus. A delegation of bishops did meet with the leader of the Catholic Church in December, among them Calgary's Bishop William McGratton. But he gave us a message of hope. Uh, he said, you are doing the right things of seeking reconciliation. You're walking with the Indigenous peoples. And he said, I know it's slow, but he said that shouldn't deter us in terms of choosing that path. McGratton hopes Pope Francis will stand in solidarity with Canadian bishops who issued an apology last year over the Catholic Church's role in the residential school system. Myself, I was raised as a Catholic, but I know that the... Um, the injustices that I now teach on. Yvonne Poitras-Pratt is the Director of Indigenous Education at the University of Calgary. As academics and, and others, uh, we're working to reclaim all sides of our, our religious and spiritual orientations. She says an apology would be a step in the right direction when it comes to recognition of harm done in the past. We need to see people stepping up and taking some accountability. There needs to be uh, some kind of movement, some kind of acknowledgement uh, that moves past just the awareness and into a place of actions. McGratton says the Pope also asked the Canadian bishops their opinion on when would be a good time to meet with Indigenous people in Canada. We asked about, you know, what are the saints uh, that are important to them? You know, should I be considering those times of the year? Um, he was really sort of trying to see the pastoral nature of what this visit would be. A time frame is being worked out for a scheduled meeting at the Vatican this year. No word yet either on when the Pope will be coming to Canada. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. A Canadian soccer star has responded to his fans as he recovers from a heart muscle issue after contracting COVID-19. Alfonso Davies posted a tweet today saying, thanks to everyone for showing so much love and support. I can't wait to be back on the pitch doing what I love. The 21-year-old has showed signs of an inflammation of his heart muscle after a bout with COVID. Canada Soccer says Davies, who is from Edmonton and once played for the Whitecaps, will miss Canada's three World Cup qualifiers coming up later this month and next. And still ahead, attention Shakespeare fans, some rare plays are on display. Vancouver is now home to one of the literary world's most valuable finds. How long you have to check them out yourself, next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
Well, a rare and precious set of works is now on display. It's really overwhelming to think that something like this has survived this long. A first folio of Shakespeare's plays, comedies, histories and tragedies together in one book published in 1623, just seven years after the Bard's passing. It includes 36 of 38 plays that have provoked centuries of debate and continuous adaptation on stage, in art and on screen. The UBC Library bought the folio from a private collector with the support of donors across the continent and the federal government. An estimated 235 first folios remain worldwide, with only one other copy in Canada in Toronto. The folio is on display at the Vancouver Art Gallery until March. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell now for a look at the forecast. And Yvonne, a heads up about some visibility issues. On yeah, the we've got a fog advisor that is in effect uh, for Metro Vancouver as well as the Fraser Valley. We are going to see widespread fog this evening and leading in towards the morning hours. More in just a moment. Temperatures right now, we're sitting at around 6 degrees. We've got a northwesterly wind, light at 6 kilometers per hour. But we are going to see that dense fog overnight and leading in towards the morning hours. So a heads up, especially if you're commuting out on the roadways. And then as we get in through the afternoon, the fog will dissipate but will be underneath a mainly cloudy sky should remain dry highs will be up to seven average for this time of the year sits at six degrees and then the next weather maker is going to bring rain it'll likely be late overnight and this will take us in towards our monday could be a soggy start for back to work and school fog advisory also extends in towards victoria along the malahat and the kootenai pass and we'll see that near zero visibility and fog possible we will be tracking it overnight and continuing for sunday morning so please take your time on the roadways we are Tracking wet weather, that's along the north end central coast. The rain is going to continue leading in towards tomorrow. Now, this same weather maker is going to move in along the northern tip of Vancouver Island and central regions tomorrow will be looking at rain and then across metro Vancouver as we get in late and that will be in towards our Monday morning. Also, a heads up, we do have snowfall for the interior and the potential for Monday morning across the southern interior could even give us the risk of freezing rain. Now, the snowfall warning that is in effect for Williston, McGregor, Highway 97, as well as the Pine pass with up to 15 centimeters as possible. Yellowhead between 15 and up to 25 centimeters. Now for the Pine Pass, Williston and McGregor, the snowfall should be through the day, easing off towards the evening hours, and then Yellowhead could still continue to see that snowfall leading in towards Monday morning before it really does start to taper off. Wet and windy along the coast tomorrow. The winds could along coastal areas could see gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour. Wet snow will be for inland areas and much of the central and southern interior, but it's the caribou and central interior that even could see that transition of wet snowfall and the risk of freezing rain. Much of the southern interior tomorrow, slight break, but then towards the evening hours, wet snowfall, risk of freezing rain will be for Monday morning. South coast along the northern and central regions of the island, that's where we are looking at some wet weather. Rainfall beginning and then most areas across Metro Vancouver seeing the rain towards the evening hours. But widespread fog will be a big concern that we'll be looking at tomorrow morning. It'll dissipate mainly cloudy through the afternoon into early next week. So far, we're tracking rain so far and highs up to six degrees. Nithu. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, at the right place at the right time, a Toronto doctor has quite the story to tell when she helped welcome a newborn into the world while high above it. Global's Tr Tracy Tong has the story. So I said, congratulations, it's a girl, and the entire plane started clapping. It played out it like, like a movie like for this movie, Toronto doctor on her way to Uganda for work. An hour into the flight, there was a call over the intercom for medical assistance. I went over and there's this woman lying there with her head 
towards the aisle and her feet towards the window and the baby was coming out. There was a nurse on board and a pediatrician too. And just like that, passengers on a plane came together to form a labor and delivery team. I need clamps, I need scissors. I'm thinking, okay, if I don't have clamps, I need shoelaces. (laughs) Tens of thousands of feet up in the air, they delivered a healthy baby girl to a very happy 25-year-old mother. Luckily, there was a delivery kit in the medical kit. And so we were able to clamp um, and cut the umbilical cord. And Babes was awake and, and very much robust and crying. There were still five hours left in the flight, more than enough time for mom to decide on her newborn's name. So the best thing is that mom ended up naming the baby after me. So that was like, oh. <laughs> so um, so they named her Miracle Aisha. Dr. Aisha was wearing a namesake necklace that she gave to baby Miracle Aisha, a token of the incredible story of how she came into this world. Tracy Tong, Global News. Wow. Incredible story. Glad to hear everyone (laughs) is all right. All right. Barry's here now to preview what's ahead in sports. Barry, what do you have for us today? Well, unfortunately, the Canucks didn't deliver a uh, a win today in uh, Carolina. They're finding out that the best teams in the NHL are in the deep south. Florida Panthers, Tampa Lightning, and Carolina Hurricanes. Canucks played pretty well, but you got to play great to beat these teams. So a third straight loss. We'll have highlights, and uh, we'll hear from the guys uh, as well in, uh, with some post-game and NFL playoffs starting uh, tonight, and uh, a lot of good action so far. So highlights of that as well. All right. Thanks so much, Barry. Also ahead, supporting Afghan refugees settling into a new life. It's very important that we learn what does trauma do to a person and how social agencies are working to address their most immediate needs. A group of Afghan refugees is settling into life in Edmonton. Agencies have been working for months to bring the refugees here. Nicole Stilger has more on the efforts to help welcome the newcomers to that city. 170 refugees from Afghanistan landed in Calgary this week before arriving in Edmonton Friday. When people are coming in, especially refugees, they have a lot of fear and they are not sure what to expect from this community, from this society. That's where social agencies like the Islamic Family and Social Services Association come in to help support them on multiple levels. When we talk about donation and charity, of course, providing material charity and donation is very important, but I think donation is also uh, going in with a compassionate heart. Lubna Zaim is also a registered psychologist. She says one of the most important needs in the days ahead for these refugees will be mental health supports. Refugees come in with their own trauma. Also, it's very important that we learn what does trauma do to a person. It changes their brain. The refugees that arrived Friday fled Afghanistan during the Taliban uprising in August 2021 and had been in hiding until earlier this week when a flight could be booked. The group is made up of 40% children and dozens of human rights workers. Over the past few months, the community's response has been overwhelming and really heartwarming. Uh, People really care and want to contribute uh, to this group of newcomers to Edmonton. The Islamic Family and Social Services Association serves about 5,000 people every month, providing culturally appropriate services too. Zaim says a welcoming, non-judgmental community is critical to help newcomers succeed. People can have all the abilities, but if they don't have the environment where it can blossom, they cannot thrive. It's expected Edmonton will welcome more Afghan refugees in the months ahead. Nicole Stilger, Global News.
All right, still ahead, Barry's back with the full sports cast. Also coming up, we'll tell you about the latest BC sporting event to be canceled because of the pandemic. And later, an impressive baseball streak and how it's helping to grow a father and son bond. Nice. Harlem Globetrotters are coming to town. Don't miss them on their spread game tour as they bring their ankle-breaking moves, jaw-dropping swag, and hilarious basketball wizardry to audiences. Tickets available online. Celebrating its 20th year, don't miss the Dine Out Vancouver Festival. Over 300 restaurants across Metro Vancouver are offering exclusive fixed-price three-course meals, foodie events including Indigenous chef collaborations, tasting tours, and more. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. If you want to know, it's on the house. If you want to show, it's on the house. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, before we get to Barry, the upcoming BC Winter Games in the North Okanagan have officially been cancelled. The games were set for February 24th to the 27th in the Greater Vernon area. More than 2,000 athletes, coaches, managers and officials were set to attend, but the BC Games and the Greater Vernon Winter Games Societies made the announcement yesterday saying it was a difficult decision to cancel, but due to the pandemic, they felt it was impossible to proceed safely. They're looking to reschedule for next year. All right, with more on the sports of the day, Barry's here, mm-hmm. and unfortunately that streak the Canucks had came to an end. Yeah, it's uh, been tough. That big 10-day break kind of killed all their momentum. Yeah. Thanks very much, Neethu. Uh, well, all of a sudden, all of that good Bruce Boudreau mojo is starting to evaporate for the Canucks. Granted, they are playing some of the best teams in the NHL on this road trip, but the Canucks are not catching many breaks on and off the ice. Today in Carolina, Yaroslav Halak was scheduled to start in goal against the Hurricanes, but just minutes before the pregame skate, he was placed into COVID protocols. Canucks quickly activated Spencer Martin from their taxi squad as backup, but the Canucks classed 4-1 for their third straight loss on this trip. Canucks needing a good start, gave up the first goal in both Florida games. Tyler Myers uh, getting into it with Andre Svechnikov, the forearm smash. Svechnikov selling it a bit. Myers, though, gets the retaliatory uh, roughing call, but Canucks fail to bail out their teammates. Sebastian Ajo, the quiet superstar for the Canes, wires it under the bar on the one-timer. No chance for Demko. one nothing Canes. Canucks answer, Luke Shen to Bo Horvat. Shoots and scores his team-leading 12th. Bo's got a good wrister. Shows it there. Ties at 1-1 after one. But early second, Myers... Blows a tire and the Canes jump on that misfortune. Quick short passes and Vincent Trocek fires it in. Canucks chasing the game again down 2-1. to one. They almost get it back on the very next shift. Elias Pettersson from Horvat rings it off the post. The young Swede cannot catch a break. He needs one and quickly to get that eroding confidence back. Remains 2-1. Then Brad Hunt gets burned. Steps up to make the big hit. Svechnikov, a nice play to spin off. Breaks away with Martin Natchez and Natchez all sorts of time. Rockets that one. Crossbar down. Some great shots by the Canes today. 3-1. Scary moment from the faceoff. Vasily Podkolzin skate catches Pedersen in the face. Pedersen's visor saved what could have been a very serious injury. A bloody nose for Pedersen. Could have been a lot worse. And I think he's wondering what else can go wrong this year. Canes add to their lead. Brett Pesci just throws it on the net. Shot was going wide. Stephen Lawrence tips it in. Finds the back of the net behind Demko. 
4-1 the final Hurricanes win. Canucks power play 0 for again, 0 for 5, 0 for 12 on the trip. Three straight losses for the Canucks. If we're going to compete for a playoff spot and, and, and come out of this, you know, this is a good test for us. Obviously, like I said, it hasn't gone the way we wanted here to, to start, but, you know, we got to dig deeper and, and have some character in our room and, and it's just going to make us better in the end. Uh, I'd certainly like to, on this trip, I think it's let us down a little bit. And uh, if we had a power play goal here or there in either of the three games that we probably uh, would have had a better chance of winning. And there at Washington tomorrow, Brad Marchand getting his nose dirty as always, Predators and Bruins. Marchand, though, man, he's a good player. Look at that wrister on the power play right under the bar. 3-2 Boston has the lead, but the Predators tie it up. Austin gives it away on the clearance, and Roman Yossi, he is one of the best D in the league, scores there to tie it 3-3. Go to overtime, and it's Taylor Hall who will dive and knife the uh, loose puck in with one hand on the stick. Boston edges Nashville 4-3 in overtime. Canucks visit Nashville Tuesday. Bruins have won five in a row and eight of nine. Leafs and Blues from St. Louis. Mitch Marner back out of uh, COVID protocols for the Leafs. First period tied at one. Marner with the steal and snaps it in. Great shot, made it 2-1 Leafs. Toronto led 3-1. St. Louis roared back at a 5-4 lead. But on the power play, look at that move by Marner to Austin Matthews for his 25th. It's five, it should be 5-5 now late in the third period. NFL playoffs, super wild card weekend starting off in Cincinnati. Bengals and Las Vegas Raiders, Joe Burrow's first NFL playoff game. Second quarter, Burrow to the end zone for Tyler Boyd for the TD. Now on the play, the whistle blew just before the catch was made, thinking that Burrow had stepped out of bounds before releasing the ball. They conferred and said touchdown. Obviously, Burrow did not step out. Apparently, the right call is replay the down, but they let the touchdown stand, so a good break for the Bengals. They led 20-3. Raiders, though, got one back before the half was over. David Carr to Zay Jones, 20-13 at the half. Dying moments of the game, though. Raiders down seven, had a chance to send this to overtime. Fourth and goal. Carr's pass, though, is picked off. Bengals win 26-19. That's their first playoff win since 1991. Joe Burrow isn't even born. Patriots and Bills from Buffalo. Cold and clear night in Buffalo. Minus 14 Celsius at kickoff. Bills score on their first possession. Josh Allen buying time. Looks like he's just throwing it away. But Big Dawson knocks, elevates, brings it down for the touchdown. Great start for the Bills. That's a great catch. 7-0 for the Bills. Next Buffalo possession, Allen leads them downfield again, and again he hooks up with Dawson Knox, another great throw. 14-0 at that point, and it's all Bills. 27-0 Buffalo just before halftime. NBA tonight, Raptors and Bucks. Toronto trying to snap a two-game losing skid. They looked horrible in Detroit last night. Raps were down 16-2 early, but they stayed composed. OG Ananobi inside for two of his 14 first-half points. It was just 49-46 Milwaukee at the break. Raps kept coming in the third. Fred Van Vliet crossover dribble and then drains the three ball. Leads the NBA in minutes played, and they need everyone from... Fred Van Vliet, 65-59 Toronto. Fourth quarter, more clutch from the Raptors. Ananobi misses the three, follows it up, lays it in. Three-point play. OG had 24. 
Pascal Siakam then seals the deal. Great move to hit the bucket. He had a triple-double, 30 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. Wraps an impressive 103-96 at Milwaukee, knocking off the defending champs. World Cup bobsleigh from beautiful San Moritz, Switzerland. Start with the men's two-man event. Summerland BC's Justin Cripps continues to find the podium. He and brakeman Cam Stones race to the silver medal today for Cripps, his best ever result in San Moritz, his 21st career two-man podium finish. He and Stones also finished second in the overall two-man standings. Meanwhile, Toronto's Cynthia Appiah, who we profiled a few weeks ago here on Global, continued her breakout season in monobob. She had a bronze medal today, her first, fourth monobob medal of the season, and Appiah ends up uh, with third place, as we said today, and she finished third overall in the standings this year. Marquee matchup in the Premier League. First place Man City hosting second place Chelsea. Just one goal, but it was a cracker. Kevin De Bruyne unleashes from 20 yards out, bends it inside the far post. 12th straight win for City, who are now 13 points up on Chelsea, 14 up on Liverpool, destined to win their sixth title in 11 years. And Man United trying to climb into the top five at Aston Villa. Bruno Fernandes scored a couple. This blast made it 2-0 for United midway through the uh, second half. They looked like they were on their way to the full three points, but they couldn't hold the lead. Villa scored twice in a four-minute span. Philippe Coutinho finishes the perfect pass across goal. It ends 2-2. Man United now in seventh, five points behind fourth place West Ham. Third round of the Sony Open from Honolulu. Series Adam Svensson started the day tied fifth, got off to a great start, birdied his first, and then at the seventh, delicate little downhiller here for birdie, gets that to drop, goes to 11 under, tied for sixth. And then at the ninth, Svensson reaching the par five and two. Lengthy eagle putt, 58 feet. Now, this has a chance. Oh, just short, but a tap in birdie, gets to 12 under, and just two off the lead. Then at the 10th, Svensson with a 10-footer for birdie. That goes down, four under for the day, minus 13, tied for third. And at 16, he was really dialed in with his irons today. A beautiful approach here. Didn't lead to a birdie, but he does uh, have an eagle shot at 18 as we speak. And right now, he is just uh, three shots behind leaders Russell Henley and Hideki Matsuyama. We'll update at 11. All right, Kevin, go ahead. And this is the early candidate for putt of the year. It actually came on a basketball court, not a golf course, during the NC State-Louisville game. This guy had to sink a 96-footer to win the prize, and he did. The prize was a 23-year-old bottle of Pappy Van Winkle bourbon. Now, it retails at $300 a bottle, but it's hard to get, so people put it on the Internet, and they get between three and 7000 So he got his liquor after a great putt there. So... Putt for dough. Putt for drinks. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Thanks very much, Barry. And after the break, another sports story, but this one about a father and son bonding baseball streak. Stay with us. Well, sports can bring people together in the most heartwarming ways. Baseball's history shows the family bond created by simply playing a game of catch is unmeasurable. Well, Global's Montana Getty met with some diehard baseball fans who won't let their streak end. 
There are a few things that just can't be broken: a father and son bond, their love for baseball, and long streaks. Show me the heat, bro. Nice. Jean Pierre and his 10-year-old son Jean Jordan started playing catch at the end of June, and it didn't take long for them to come up with the idea of keeping up a streak. I think it was the second or third day. He was like, "Dad, let's just see how long we can go, like without missing a day of playing baseball." Come rain or shine, the two always pushed each other to get on the gloves. They contemplated stopping if the Atlanta Braves won the 2021 Major League Baseball World Series on Halloween, but alas, they sealed the win a couple days after. They also thought maybe once the snow falls, the streak will end, and then maybe one of them would just get tired of it. Now at day 200, against all odds, they decided there's no turning back. Like at first it was just for fun, but now that we're at 200, like we gotta keep going. At Nutanakawanas Park, a new goal was set to reach one full year of baseball. Even though the streak is important to the pair, it's the time spent together that means the most. It's like father and son bonding. That that's the part of the streak that means the most to me. Another member of the family likes to tag along too, but her favorite part isn't about playing baseball. I go outside every day, and they're like, "I'm never giving up. I'm gonna do it every day." John Jordan says he hopes to make the MLB one day and be just like his favorite player on the Toronto Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Montana Getty, Global News. Well, as they say, practice makes perfect, doesn't it? <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us all. Have a great night. Jordan will be here at 11.